Just gone 12.37. We're not far away from kickoff in the Lions against the San Francisco 49ers who are going to find out who's going to play the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl in a couple of weeks' time. But we have an Irish guest now, which is pretty goddamn exciting. Um, Sarah Rowe joins us. She's in New Zealand, but she's from Ireland. And I looked up how to, how to greet someone in Irish, and it's spelt very unusually, so I'm going to give it a crack. Dear Doot, Sarah. Dear Gwet. Oh, Gwet. Close. Oh. Close. So damn close. Hey, um, fantastic to have you on the show today. Uh, my friend Oliver Lee said be worthwhile getting you on the show. You're, you're a very well-performed athlete. Before we get into that, what brings you to New Zealand? So I'm actually over here with the Tara Trust, and they have organised with the Irish Embassy to tour me around New Zealand. So I've been in Auckland, Hamilton so far, going to Taranaki and... Wellington and Christchurch um, over the next couple of days. So just meeting with some um, Gaelic football clubs, also just sports businesses, and I go to the Irish Embassy on Thursday. So, yeah, it's been great so far. The Irish hospitality has not let me down as usual. Oh, are they the best in the world at hospitality, the Irish? Oh, unbelievable. Like, as in, like, they just go above and beyond. And I think you really realise that when you're away from home. But I do think that um, the Kiwis aren't far off them. So I think we're very like in ways with um, our small nation mentality, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I feel right at home as well, like surrounded by greenery. It feels like I'm in Ireland as well. (laughs) You've got an incredible sporting career and it's by no means over. But um, soccer football or association football, whatever you want to call it, Gaelic football, as well. Can, can you tell me about your early years and what got you so entrenched in sport? Jack of all trades, master of none, maybe. But um, <laughs> no, I've always played. Um, I've grown up my whole life playing Gaelic and soccer and um, being a cross coder. And then from there, I took one year where I focused purely on soccer and was playing with Ireland that year and then the following year I was like I really want to win an All-Ireland with Mayo and we got to a final an All-Ireland final there was 45,000 people at the game and there was actually an Australian guy who was watching the game who's a player manager and he said I think he'd be really suited to AFLW in Australia and I was like what's that I don't even know what that is so I was like yeah, as I thought it was a scam email and I was I replied anyway and I was like he was like, Do you want to come over to Australia for two weeks and have a look at at the time the six clubs in Victoria and went over and I was blown away by the fact that there was a world outside my own that existed that could maybe be better than what I had in Ireland and I was blown away by the professional setup in Collingwood, um, in Melbourne. So I just said I'd give it a crack. Obviously was a rookie, didn't know anything about the game, had to learn the game from scratch and go straight into a professional world. So it was um, a transition, definitely. But um, it, I loved the challenge of it and the fact that I, to, I suppose, embrace a new culture and get to know everyone around there. But it was, um, yeah, it was great. So Gaelic football, but like you, you didn't know anything about AFL. Most Kiwis won't know much about Gaelic football, but it's sort of a bit of soccer, a bit of rugby, a bit of AFL. What What's the main differences for the layman here in New Zealand to understand how Gaelic football works? So Gaelic football is with a round ball versus your oval-shaped ball. It, there's no tackle involved. You can tackle, but it's more like a basketball tackle. Um, you every four steps you have to bounce the ball or kick the ball to yourself which we call a solo and then to score you 
score underneath the goalpost, which is worth three points, or you score above the goalpost, which is worth one point. Whereas in AFL, you obviously just kick it between the middle sticks, which, or else you kick it between the either side. So there's a lot of differences really in probably the mentality of how the game is played. Like much like rugby, sometimes you're trying to get the ball forward and gain territory. And um, with AFL, but with Gaelic football, it's all about possession and finding the free player and moving the ball that way. Yeah, so, so the biggest difference, I guess, for you from Gaelic to AFL is the ball. You've, you've gone from a round ball to a sphere, which you do have to bounce. I think it's every 10 steps, not every four. Was that the biggest adjustment for you? Yeah, that was a big adjustment. And then even just the language around the game and the game plans itself, like it looks like it's absolute chaos when you watch the game, but it really is organised chaos. And <laughs> I think that was one part that I found really hard. Like, for example, they called the boundary which we would call it the sideline. So like things like that, even like really small things that you wouldn't think that you were just trying to get your head around at the start. But definitely the rules, the oval ball, and then also the physicality of AFLW, like because it's a 360 game and you can get tackled from any angle, that's probably the biggest challenge And um, with your spatial awareness because obviously with Gaelic football, everything is kind of moving one direction, whereas with AFL, everything can kind of come from any direction. So even the injuries are huge. You've had the position of playing top-level sport in Ireland and in Australia now, and there's been a real resurgence for women's sport uh, in the Australian codes, like the AFLW, the NRLW, the A-League women as well. Is there an equal amount of opportunity for women back home in Ireland? Um, Yeah, there is. Like, there is... It's really grown. The game, the Gaelic football has grown massively over the last couple of years, but it's also still amateur. So while the girls and guys train like professionals, they work full time. So they work until five o'clock in the evening and then they go to training for three hours in the evening and they do that. They train just as much as professionals, but they're trying to burn the candle at both ends, essentially. Mm. So that's where that game is at. And then in terms of soccer, it's become semi-pro in Ireland. And obviously Ireland made the World Cup. And speaking of the A-League, I actually played soccer with one of your very own, Claudia Bunge, um, who in the New Zealand soccer team. So played with her last season with Melbourne Victory. Um, but yeah, there's great opportunities in soccer. It's getting better every year. But in terms of resources and facilities, we do need to improve in that area. But like in terms of the money, there's more money, I suppose, and opportunities in Australia and places abroad. So Gaelic football, you've just met, is that completely amateur? There's no professional league? No professional league across the men's or the women's, but the men's could have... 80,000 at games, the women, the women's final has 50,000 and it's huge following. It's our game. It's probably our number one game in Ireland and it's, we do it because it's pride of place. It's for your family. It's for your community. You play for the people you've grown up with your whole life. People travel the length and breadth of the country to get to training. And we kind of, in one way, we like that. We like that we're in different to everyone else and it's all about heart and it's all about passion and that's why we do it but you know when you go across and you play in the professional game and you realize the resources and how players can be treated and what you can have it's probably it's hard to go back to the amateur world Mm. then when you kind of know different but at the same time it's pride of place I'd love to win it uh, win all Ireland with Mayo for my family and you know anything got to do with Ireland you know you just have so much pride so not wanting to make it about money, but with all of those people going through the gates, and I'd imagine there's some broadcast deals, I'd imagine there's some sponsorship, where does all the money land? 
apparently back into the grassroots and to develop the game and that's where and the organization but it's yeah question mark I suppose <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a head scratcher so um I think I counted you've had six seasons at Collingwood you're lacing them up again this year yeah yeah I just signed um a new three-year contract um last year I played soccer and AFL so I did uh, back-to-back seasons seasons this year as just focusing on AFLW and we'll see from there but we do we have a really long off season we have about four or five months off season our game needs is progressing but we had 11 gate we've 11 games next year plus finals we you know we're pushing for more games we feel like we in order to get better we need more games so um it is a short season it's probably six months seven months all up so you've talked about your love and, and I love that the, the connection of Mayo, which is your Gaelic football team, your connection and the importance of your family. It just rolled off your tongue because it means so much to you. Are you able, do you want to go back and play for them? I'd love to. There, there's a part of me, definitely, and there's always it's always in the back of your mind and there's probably a sense of guilt for not playing with Mayo and because you know that it means so much to family. But then the other part of you thinks of your career and, you know, setting yourself up for life after sport and even the resources, the connections that you gain through professional sport and where that can take you after sport you you do have to think about all those things in the bigger picture of it and also like the older you get the more the harder it is like knowing going from Gaelic to soccer to AFL going from three different sports like there's a transition period every time and while you know the athletic demands are somewhat similar they're also quite different so every time you transition sports you need to you need to kind of wean your way back in it might take three to four months to get yourself up to scratch again so for me going back to Gaelic football like I really need to give it the time and effort it deserves and do I have that time and effort in this period of my life and my career I don't know but I would love to think that I could at some point and find the time and and you're probably in the middle of your professional sporting career and I'm always loath to ask people this question because they think I'm suggesting they should retire but you're plenty young enough to play for many, many years. When do you start thinking about positioning yourself post on the field? Post off the field, as in for career yeah. life after sport? Yeah, when you finish playing. Do you, do you start thinking about that now or not quite yet? Yeah, massively. I do. Like education has always been really important to me. I'm a qualified teacher, which is definitely something I will not do, but I have (laughs) the degree anyway. And I think that like life after sport, it's really important to tip away at that. But it's more so for me, it's about balance in sport because you can over focus and get way too caught up in your routine and structure and become very football orientated. And that doesn't always equate to good performance. Like for me, when my life is balanced with my friends, my family, sport, and then I'm also intellectually stimulating myself some way, I find that it's a good distraction for me in ways. So I do work with a company called Performance by Design who basically work with corporate teams and sporting teams. They work with rugby, soccer, Gaelic, you name it. And they basically assess team culture and leadership. And while we might be working in a hospital one day in Deloitte another day and Gold Coast Suns another day, you figure out that within every team there is similarities and it's all about people and how you get people to work together and much like a team environment it's probably something I'm really passionate about because when you think about 
coming from three different sports in three different worlds essentially you know there's been observations that you make over that time where you go why do people do things this way what's acceptable in a soccer environment isn't in an AFL environment mm. and then maybe isn't in a Gaelic football environment so but but at the same time there's common themes and you know values that teams have in order that, that you see in and um, that equates to success within a team so for me that's a massive passion of mine and it's basically per- personality profiling and, and all that stuff as well so yeah that kind of keeps me stimulated outside of sport we're talking to triple coder uh international star sarah Rowe out of ireland we're so lucky to have her here in new zealand one last question um aspiring young women in particular athletes be listening in or their parents might be listening in now what what's a piece of valuable advice that you might have picked up along the way like you've changed codes you've changed countries you've changed focus what's what's a little succinct piece of advice that you could share i think there's lots and one is probably to march to the beat of your own drum there's things that you can bring that no one else can bring to an environment and on and off the field and then the other piece of advice probably is to take on feedback and know that coaches are out for your best interest. I think if you go into any situation in any team, you kind of have to embrace the humility of not knowing everything and every year being different and every year brings different challenges and asking for that help and kind of getting feedback from people that can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. So I find that for me, it's like, again, I every time I go back to a sport that I've played for years or not, I always need a lot of people around me and a lot of help to get there so it's being able to take on that help where sometimes you know your ego can get in the way where you go no I know more you, you never know more and to keep that open mind I think um, is really important in sport well Sarah I've now got a team in the AFLW I'll be supporting Collingwood which can divide people it's like the pies or anyone else for a lot of people isn't it it is it is it, people love to hate us uh, pies number seven Pies number seven all the way. Sarah, it's been a real delight to talk to you today. Enjoy the rest of your stay in New Zealand, and we will stay in touch. Let's have a chat during the AFLW season, eh? Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on. This year, Sarah Rowe, out of Ireland, in New Zealand. How about that? Gaelic football, uh, soccer for Ireland, AFL, uh, A-League as well. Um, what a complete uh, interesting chat that was. Sarah Rowe. So, Sarah Rowe, Magpies number seven, she tells me, for Collingwood. Um and she's played, she played every game, 2019, 20, 21, 22. In fact, they had two seasons in 22, looks like. That's a bit weird. Uh, and 23 as well. And she's just signed on for three more years, so she'll be de- down our way as well. So we'll give the Collingwood Magpies AFLW team a little bit of coverage when that kicks underway uh, very soon. Sarah Rowe there. We'll be back shortly.